Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to the old in and out. This is Dr. William Schimmel speaking. And I'd like to introduce to you my co-host, Brian Dewan. Brian, how are you? I'm well, and you? Oh, couldn't be better, couldn't be better. And uh, we're working tonight on, uh, on Zoom. You were using a different medium. So actually, Brian, I actually see you, although the audience uh, will not, it will be, it will be our usual podcast. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's interesting uh, doing this radio interview face to face. It is. <laughs> it know. is exotic. Uh, yeah. And uh, this will be our, uh, our 60th, uh, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> our 60th radio show. Oh, oh, yes. And, yes, uh, I lost count. I saw <laughs> And uh, how's the sound coming from from uh, from your uh, area? Um, sounds all right to me. Yeah, it sounds sounds good here. Uh, so uh, look, it's been quite a year. We know that, and uh, and obviously uh, you're up in the cat skills, and uh, uh, I know you have some projects going on up there. You were telling me about it in the midst of. Uh, in the midst of all this, uh, let's hear about them. Uh, they sounded great to me. And uh, so, uh, Brian, uh, what's been going on? Oh, one thing that's coming up uh, on April 24th is um, something called the uh, Basilica Hudson 24-hour drone, uh, which is an annual event that they have and there are 24 performers who do some sort of a drone piece for an hour and they overlap slightly as there's a kind of changing of the guard and people hang out in the building or camp out in the building and sleep and it goes on all night. But they, of course, can't do it because of COVID. So it will be broadcast on WGXC uh, 90.7 FM in the uh, Acre Hudson Catskill area. But it will also be, I think, on wavefarm.org, uh, which is the station's, um, you know, they have a live stream. So you can hear this station WGXC on a live stream. So they'll be broadcasting this thing for 24 hours. And uh, there's a little accordion in it as well. It's a collaboration uh, I did with Ross Goldstein. Uh, was playing Mellotron as well as some electric guitar and I played a melody gin and I also played accordion. Um, yeah uh, uh, there's um, there's been a tremendous revival of, uh, of drone music lately. Well uh, yeah. yeah well it's funny how it became a kind of genre even. Yeah it's a genre, and obviously, uh, it's certainly it's certainly good for the accordion. <laughs> I mean, we certainly we certainly have uh, we certainly have uh, certainly it's certainly uh, drone drone friendly. Let's put it oh, that way. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And uh, did you ever attend uh, a Lamont Young Dream House? I have not. And you've you you know about them. I don't really. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, but um, back in this... 
six back uh, oh he, he was I think he was doing it since the fifties, but um, I saw it in the early seventies uh, down at the old kitchen. Uh, I mean the first kitchen. Yeah. And uh, Lamont Young, he would uh, dress up in with a headdress, Indian Indian garb, and uh, he would uh, sing continuously for four hours uh, to drones, and uh, and of course the volume would eventually go up pretty high, and apparently he's still doing it. But I understand a lot of it now is pre-recorded. He's up in years. But apparently you can still go to his apartment, apparently. Uh, and once a week, actually listen to this. And, uh, and he was working. He was studying with this Indian master called Prandit Pranath. And, uh, and, and uh, he sort of called, he, he was regarded as sort of the guru of the uh, of, of the drones and and mm -hmm. um, in the in the, in the 1960s he was doing a lot of conceptual art uh, like uh, you know play two notes for a long period of time or or put a bale of hay on the piano and all you know uh, pieces of that 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 particular nature what they call concept art fluxus and uh, then he sort of went into the drone thing and then for a while he was, he started a blues band called the Forever Bad Blues Band. And, uh, and the last time I saw him, he was dressed as a, like a biker, like a Hell's Angels. And uh, myself and the Tango, the Tango Band, Tango Project, we played for uh, David Tudor's memorial service, you know, Cage's sidekick. And Lamont Young was there uh, with his wife, Marion Zazila, who does all these mandala projections to his stuff. And, uh, and he was dressed like a uh, Hell's Angel biker that night. And if anyone looked in his direction, he, uh, he gave an angry glance back. You weren't supposed to look in his direction. And so, uh, but apparently he was the, the, uh, the drone man. And then for a while, for a while, uh, nobody, nobody talked about it. And then all of a sudden over the past couple of years, maybe it's the climate we're living in right now, the drone, <laughs> thing, uh, the drone thing sort of reemerged. And I even asked one of my students uh, who's like in her twenties, uh, I said, uh, you know, years ago I attended a, a dream house, and she goes, "Well, yes, uh, I uh, I attended a virtual one, uh, pre-recorded recently, and uh, and so it's coming back into the consciousness of even a younger crowd, even though they can't hear the real thing, they can hear a virtual taped one. You can go and meditate to it, apparently. <laughs> and so, uh, so you guys are doing it like twenty-four hours." Oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's every act does it for an hour. Ah. And then there's 24 yeah. acts. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a that's quite a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, people bring sleeping bags and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and is there any singing on top of the drones or any playing on top of the drones? Uh Oh, yeah. Well, there's in the case of at least the thing that Ross and I did, 
there is a, a drone, which is the melody gin, which is always, you know, the spectrum is always changing. And it even has this sort of funny, herky-jerky, shallow vibrato. So that's the continuous element. And sometimes it gets bent up into these little mordants and stuff. But that is the one thread through the whole thing. And then all the other sounds are unisons or chords or nothing uh, that sort of twists around it for the duration. Great. Oh, great. It, so it, sounds, it sounds really uh, wonderful. I like the idea of camping out also. It's kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it was. It was really a nifty thing. And, you know, someday in the future, they'll have it in there again. But I think last time I was there, I went home at three o'clock in the morning because there just wasn't really enough room on the floor to be. Uh, are you guys going to be far apart enough? <laughs> well, this will all, I mean you know, all just be over the radio or on the computer. On the computer, so, exactly. Uh, no, no, uh, no sleeping bags, no, no pillows, no exactly. lawn chairs, <laughs> no nothing. And, well, you know, uh, it's interesting. I looked at our last conversation and the last conversation we were talking about the accordion uh, the resonance of the accordion in its absence. And um, I don't know what it has to do with drones, but I'm sure there's a kind of a connection to it. We were talking about the fact that we were actually, uh, one of us or both of us for that matter, brought up uh, Kurt Weill where if you listen to Kurt Weill's music, you'll hear the accordion in it. And uh, then when the accordion's left out, you still hear the resonance of the accordion that there's a power in the accordion in its presence and there's a power of the accordion in its absence and yeah and now you're making me think of you know when you stop the bellows but you hold that bass note down it's still ringing you know unless you let up on that button it's going to keep vibrating even after you stopped pushing or pulling and you stop the motion, but it takes a little while for that reed to quit flapping. You give enough resonance for you to get used to the fact that it's going to be delayed over and the fact that then you supply the rest. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I actually, yeah. In other words, uh, it doesn't stop at when it stops. And then obviously it's whatever it is. Uh, uh, you can feel the rest sometimes of, uh, Sometimes you'll feel it in a sense bouncing off the wall if the if the if the, uh, if the space is very resonant. I know down Tenry, uh, mm. I would basically if I stop playing, I would basically hear a sound literally bouncing bouncing off the wall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean that can be effective or or not, depending on what you're, <laughs> kind of, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, in the right moment, it could be incredible. And obviously, uh, uh, when it's not called for, it can be it can be a problem. And uh, that's why, in some cases, and for some pieces, we put out carpeting uh, on the floor. Uh, and then, in some cases, we take it away. Uh, and, <laughs> but um, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I uh, had the opportunity to play. Uh, the Mahler first uh, with the Orchestra of St. Luke's. So it's a, an orchestra I've been 
involved with since its inception. And it may have even started in my apartment years ago when we threw crazy parties. And, <laughs> um, and a lot of those guys are, aren't in it anymore. A lot of the guys are long gone. Uh, but nonetheless, I uh, got called in to do the Mahler first. And, you know, the, the, the original Mahler first was for a mammoth orchestra, of course. You know, the one that, you know, the one that Mahler did. And uh, when you hear Bernstein conducted, of course, who in a sense rediscovered Mahler, I mean, he conducts it as this wonderful, wonderful mess. And where you, where you almost feel like the orchestra crumbling, like, you know, romanticism was finally crumbling in the modern, <laughs> you hear kind of a decadence. And, and to, 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 in my opinion, he kind of got it right. Mm. And, uh, and it took him a while to actually get the Vienna Philharmonic to understand that. And, uh, but apparently that's what he got them to do. And so, um, so this version was scored for 12 instruments. And, uh, and one of the parts uh, was either harmonium or accordion. And uh, we were spaced nine feet apart. And so, in a sense, uh, it was not, you know, it really couldn't be that wonderful mess. <laughs> it, 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 that, you know, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and so... You didn't, you didn't have enough individual pieces to crumble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there wasn't enough individual pieces to crumble. Yeah, and so everything would be too intact yeah. to make the thing take place that you wanted to have happen. Yeah, so so it became something else, <laughs> and I'm not judging which is better, which is worse. Right, it became it became its own thing. Uh, and but the, the interesting part of the whole thing is when I finally heard it, after you know when I heard it live streamed, I realized you know something, I really couldn't quote hear the accordion, but. I, under, I knew it was there because it became part of the string section. It sometimes became part of the woodwinds. It even in a few places were playing along with the brass. And it was making all those sections sound fuller and larger. But the, what I didn't hear was the quote unquote accordion sound. <laughs> and so all of a sudden like the accordion like quote unquote disappeared and became this you know anonymous mm -hmm. organism organ it kind of dissolved into a fluid it devolved you couldn't have said it better uh, into a fluid <laughs> that in a sense allowed itself to move mm. into these various instruments and, uh, I, you know, you can, the part said it could be played on harmonium, but accordion definitely was a better choice. Well, what's interesting yeah. is to think of how, from one frame of reference, the two instruments have um, a lot in common. They're both keyboard uh, free read instruments. But, you know, I remember hearing, I suppose it's true, that uh, somebody asked Stravinsky why he didn't write more for the organ 
And his reply was, the monster never breathes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a big difference between the harmonium and the accordion is that the accordion breathes. It must breathe. Uh, the harmonium, you could have an infinite drone because it doesn't really breathe. Uh, but the accordion, you're going to run out until you change direction. So you always have to, you know, keep that going. So you have a lot to sustain, but not forever before you have to go back. But it's also more dynamic because you're constantly, you know, shaping the sound and changing the volume of it with the accordion. So it's able to have all this flexibility. Yeah, that the harmonium really doesn't have. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it really doesn't. And at some level, it's not supposed to. I mean, you, you know, the uh, the charm, of course, of the harmonium is the charm of the harmonium. Uh, yeah. You know, the, 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 that, that sort of sinister, churchy quality that Kurt Weill used. Uh, for instance, um, when I played accordion in Three Penny Opera, you know, I sometimes mm-hmm. put down the accordion and played harmonium. And... Uh, it was a good thing to do. All of a sudden, like the harmonium sound would appear and it was kind of ominous and, you know, and weird. Uh, and then I used the accordion for other things. And, and they ended up, of course, being uh, two entirely different things. Mm. Neither, neither one was a replacement for the Yeah, exactly. Under any circumstance. And it's kind of, kind of good to know that. So anyone who in a sense, goes into an orchestra to play accordion, um, they really have to know and understand uh, what's going to happen in many cases. Not all cases. There, you know, there are some cases where you're, you know, you're a soloist, you're out front. Of course, we know that exists. And in some cases, you're kind of almost a soloist. You might have a big part and, you know, a big solo part. And in some cases, you're uh, you're in the back. Like for instance, when they put me way in the back for this live stream of the Mahler, I laughed and I said, "This is kind of like you're you're kind of making me a reverse soloist." The distance soloist, you know. And um, soloist from another galaxy. From another galaxy, exactly. And, uh, and so you ask yourself, you know, again, many accordionists would ask, well, what's the payoff of that? And my answer to that is that the payoff of that is the payoff of that. In other ones being there in the orchestra playing the Mahler first and uh, playing a, a great symphony simply because you're there playing it. Uh, not to proselytize the accordion, uh, not to do all those things that people feel need to be done to advance the accordion, <laughs> all that stuff that goes on in, in meetings and things of that nature. You're there, you're there for the sake of the Mahler first only. And I find that very refreshing and very freeing. Hmm. Um, I know what my purpose is, one purpose only, and that's to make Mahler sound like Mahler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 
the more accordionists know that, I feel there'll be better accordionists. There'll be more of them working. And, um, and, I, I, and I feel that it's just a, a better philosophical and existential way of, of, uh, of viewing the instruments. And well, the instrument itself and the various kinds of, uh, the various kinds of accordions. And uh, now, uh, since we're on the subject, the seminars this year are going to be July 30th, 31st and August 1st. And it'll be virtual again on Zoom. Yeah. And we talked about, we talked about the theme called the twilight time Yes. And I know, um, I know we were discussing some ideas and I know you, you had a few ideas going through your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything come up uh, that, uh, that you might find uh, interesting? Well, I don't know what to say about it yet. I'm yeah. still messing around. Yeah. And uh, again, again, you know, there's, Various ways of looking at that twilight time, you know. It's, well, it's, well, that's it's part of the challenge. The yeah, challenge. I, yeah. Uh, uh, I like the idea of doing some kind of thing that is about some kind of eerily transitional thing. Uh, well, keep that in mind. Transitional is a good is a good uh, uh, is a good hook. Mm. Uh, I sort of like that. You know, it's between it's between uh, sunset and dusk. Mm -hmm. And uh, which uh, sort of brings us to the next section. <laughs> um, and for two reasons. First of all, we're on the subject of hearing the accordion in its absence or almost like not hearing it, almost invisible. So I'm gonna play two short, really short pieces. One of them is called uh, uh, Sunset and the other one's called Dusk. Um, the bookends of, of the twilight time. Yeah. And uh, these, are, uh, these pieces are number 204 and 205 of my tributaries. You know, the seven hour piece that's, yeah. that's now up on YouTube for anyone to enjoy. Mm. And, uh, and there's 210 of them. And this is uh, 204 and 205. The first one, they're very short. The first one is called uh, uh, Sunset. The second one is called Dusk. And they almost don't exist. And here they are.
That was sunset and dusk. And as you hear or not hear, they were there because they were almost not there. And, you know, in dusk, you actually heard some of the drone in the accordion. And even in one section, I did this deliberately tonight, I actually stopped the sound and let the residents of one of uh, uh, let the residents carry over the thing that we had talked about a few yeah. minutes, a few minutes ago. I hope you picked up on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that captures the bookends of what what is to be in between. So uh, your job is to get the in between. <laughs> <laughs> also block the bookends. <laughs> Just kidding. You'll do what you you'll do what you do. And uh, so the the weekend will be the twilight time. Mm. There's so many ways of dealing with twilight time. Also, uh, there's the song Twilight Time, of course, by the Three Sons and by the Platters. Um, twilight time can be that heavenly place and complete that ominous place. It also could also could be happy hour. Like, you know, cocktail time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, Even just anything time. Uh, anything, anything time. Anything yeah, time. like this time, that time. That time, this time, that time. And, yeah. And that the time is like a little domain where something happens, where something lives. The twilight time, it might just be this thin slice, but there's a whole world in there. Well, you know, uh, uh, every um, every Broadway accordionist of yester of yesteryear, and there was a number of them who were, you know, great Broadway pit accordion players. Um, what they uh, when when they weren't playing in the Broadway pit, every one of them, of course, would put out their own their own records, uh, and uh, uh, and I could almost swear that every one of them put out some sort of cocktail time record. <laughs> you know, martini time, cocktail capers, you know, <laughs> happy songs for happy hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
spreading joy. Uh, you know, spreading spreading joy uh, uh, through you know through alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have a segment at the seminars about uh, art and alcohol, and uh, and a section on art and no alcohol. Mm. And uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, presenters. <laughs> Uh, who's a really a connoisseur of liqueurs and alcohol and, and so forth, a real connoisseur, will relate the accordion and the textures and all the dimensions of the accordion to, you know, to, to various, various you know, sophisticated liqueurs and things of that nature and, uh, and blends. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, will talk about it, I will talk about it from the other, from the, from the other perspective. Sure. Uh, because... When I was uh, in my late teens, before I made the move up to New York City, um, I had a band. We called them combos back then. And uh, what I managed to do, I managed managed to acquire the account of all the uh, AA groups in Philadelphia, where I played all the social functions for AA and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Right, but you and, said the, uh, yeah. the social functions of the social AA. functions. You know, they're uh, like New Year's Eve. Oh, I didn't and, even know that there was a special AA New Year's Eve thing. And they carry a lot of, of sense. One of the wildest evenings I've ever seen. Uh huh. You know, with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great things about you know they could they could have the wildest uh, they could have the wildest time, and they could all drive home safely. Because <laughs> they're all hopped up on uppers, they're, caffeine. Uh, uh, well, they're hopped up on caffeine. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of coffee. Uh, <laughs> and we'd have to, we'd have to, uh, we'd have to reinterpret our songs also. Uh, that's right. Of course, you, you know. You know that song, wine, 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 you get a nickel, I get a dime, we'll go out and buy some wine, give me wine, 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 it's a rock song. Oh, I don't know that. And we used to sing, you know, we'll go out and buy some coffee, drinking coffee, 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 and so forth. And one evening, one evening, we were playing a medley of songs, and all of a sudden, we slipped into, uh, unintentionally, we slipped into Days of Wine and Roses. Uh, <laughs> the Days of Wine and Roses. Oh, and all yeah. Sudden, they all turned around as they were dancing, and they went, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh, they had great senses of humor and so forth, and they didn't take it personally. They just thought, actually, they thought it was funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and what I'm talking about is that uh, the accordion was supplying a lot of pleasure that these people were to, were able to appreciate without having to do any drinking. And uh, you usually you usually think of the accordion as uh, an instrument that is in drinking situations. You, uh, you know, you know, uh, usually do beer hall, beer halls, uh, or, you know, some of the parties in my family, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when everybody got together and the beer started flowing, that's That's why I started hearing accordion music, weddings, celebrations, Uh, and and the wedding gigs I played, uh, and so forth. They They were all, they were all very, very, very alcohol oriented places. Mm. And then all of a sudden I saw something that really astonished me were the same pleasure zone, exactly the same, took place 
uh, without a drop of it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I say that, you know, the accordion could supply that with drinking or with no drinking. Right. And um, so that's kind of interesting. And uh, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to, uh, there's been a, a number of concerns amongst accordion players about the fact that they have to get out of the umpa on the left hand. <laughs> and uh, so uh, you know, you play more fancy things and more jazz things and things of that nature. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to present 54 ways to go umpa. <laughs> and I made a piece out of it, a composition out of it. You know, it's continuous. <laughs> Four ways to go umpa, and there's more. But I happened to, you know, I happened to invent fifty four before the phone rang one day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to stop the, the, the and I figured, hey, this is pretty nice. You know, <laughs> the Coleridge moment. Yeah, <laughs> the dream is interrupted by the unexpected visitor. Yeah, yeah, I was interrupted, and I, you know, and all of a sudden, for some reason, a cadence seemed to emerge, and I figured I better stop at fifty four. And, uh, and it'll be enough, uh, at least to, to get my point across. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can go home and, and, uh, and invent 54 more, you know, these are the <laughs> kind of things at the seminars this year where you can actually try at home. And I've asked a number of composers also to write, to write uh, conceptual pieces. And you can, if you want to, Brian, you know, uh, uh, pieces that, uh, that you interpret that can be words, like some of the Stockhausen pieces, like from the seven days, uh, you know, listen to the, you know, listen to the earth and play something coming out of the sky, uh, you know, <laughs> things of that nature that sort of have, have a, a certain poetry to them. Mm -hmm. Some today might seem a little corny, but nonetheless, uh, there's a teaching moment in it, and it's the kind of thing that I can tell a participant, a listener, and so forth. They can go home and try something like that at home and make up their own. Well, it's interesting when you bring up the idea of corniness, because corniness is temporal. Uh, you know, what is corny to one group of people is not corny, not to, corny another, to another, else. and it can, it can happen on either end of the scale of time where, uh, or even just the idea of things that are considered to be a cliche or old fashioned, it's not as though people have contempt for it for being what it is, but merely for being tired of it or having heard it too much, which is not a property of the thing itself. Yeah. So, uh, and then what is corny to one generation is not corny to a subsequent generation. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting to think of the nature of what makes something corny and how it's more in the eye of the beholder uh, than in the source material. Yeah, those, you know, you know so-called, you know, sonic or cosmic meditations of the 60s and so forth might in some ways seem a little bit, uh, you know, corny today, but, but they, they can be a lot of fun. Mm. And uh, they can invoke the imagination. And two, it's something a person can take home and mm. try it at home. And it can actually affect their own imagination in terms of their playing, no yeah. matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm asking composers to do that.
you know, without any judgment, uh, I mean, the Fluxus movement, you know, Lamont Young and Yoko Ono did it. Uh, sure. It was a very, very popular thing in the 1960s. And so we're bringing it back in 2021. And of course, <laughs> it'll go into an entirely different dimension because it's 2021. <laughs> so uh, we're interested in, we're interested in, 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 uh, in that. Again, it, I, I feel it evokes the, it'll evoke the imagination in, in, in a number of people. And it's something I can tell everyone, you know, you can try this at home. Uh, <laughs> along with any other ways that you can still figure out how to go oompa with. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so uh, that's uh, some of just uh, some of the things that we'll be doing at the, uh, at the seminars. And... Uh, is there anything else, Brian, uh, anything else you, you uh, want, want, want to talk about today? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to do uh, a little show with a friend of mine, John McInerney. Uh, that's an Arbor Day show. Yeah. Well, we're really just going to shoot some video. It won't be a live show. but yeah. um, uh, And so I have these school song books that I like, uh, you know, that are from the beginning of the 20th century so uh, one of them is a song, uh, which is actually called Smiles and Tears. Yeah. I thought it was called Pretty April, uh, but it is not. And then there's another one, uh, Happy Arbor Day is the, the name of the song. And uh, so that's, that's what I have for you. Uh, well, we'll be anxious to hear that. I mean, you always come up with these fantastic things. <laughs> uh, and obviously things that I don't expect. Mm -hmm. Never. And all, all of our 60 shows, I, I could never guess what you were going to bring next. <laughs> <laughs> so you, always, you always surprise me. And... Uh, <laughs> And what's still ringing through my mind is that song that you did about the uh, Albanoni, was it called? Oh, Abalone. Abalone. Abalone, yeah. And that was a song probably from the 1920s. I learned that from a, a, a book called American Song Bag by Carl Sandberg. Uh, Carl, the poet Carl Sandberg collected the, these songs. And so uh, I learned that and many other interesting songs from that book. Uh, which was published when I think in the early 1920s the 1920s. book was published. So I don't know how long, old the song is. Yeah. And there was a little story. Like a bunch of different writers were, you know, you know, hanging out and and just coming up with verses and piling them up to amuse themselves. So every line is written by a, a different person. You know, every little stanza is written by a different person. What do they call that? They have a name for that. Uh... Well, like withdrawing, you'd have the exquisite corpse. That's that's what I, yeah. that's what I was talking about. So yeah. this is like a little different, but it's still more like everyone comes up with a verse and piles in, and it's sort of uh, this kind of uh, satirical, humorous song. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, um, do you, do you record these works, uh, 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 Brian? Do you, uh, or, or, uh, I've recorded a bunch of collected old songs, and I will record a whole bunch soon more. Uh, 
and uh and one thing i've put off for a long time was putting a collection uh based around a song called sit stare and rock uh so i gotta get on that and uh, uh, that was a wonderful record that i found years ago i don't even know if there's any copies really left of it i i look around sometimes but there's a whole story behind that uh but uh i'd love to put out another record of collected uh, off the beaten path folk material yeah 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 uh, uh of everything is folk material in the end in the, in the end, it always, yeah. Uh, 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 I think that will be a, a wonderful project. And the beauty of it all is I, most of the things that you've been playing and singing here, most of them are, are public domain. You know. Uh, did we lose contact? Uh, no. A little. Yeah. All right, we're back. Um, we're back. Most of them are public domain. Yeah, or just, yeah, by dint of being old. Yeah. So a lot of things I found in old uh, songbooks. Yeah. And usually from around just before the turn of the 20th century or just after. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, this one book of school songs, you know, songs for schools and institutions, you know, meant for group singing. And yeah. uh, we've talked before about the Grange, uh, Grange Melodies collection that was meant for uh, farmers unions to use in their meetings for social singing, which is like part of the social bonding. So four part singing was a big part of their culture and their yeah. meetings. Yeah. Uh, so there's all this stuff out there and, uh, but it doesn't see the light of day much now. Yeah. But uh, I do very much enjoy sifting through these things. And that four part singing, I was always wondering, you know, obviously, because, uh, um, how do they uh, how do you, uh, uh, how do they uh, space the uh, space the chords? Uh, uh, did they space the chords, or where did they have the melody on top, or do they sometimes have the melody, uh, you know, yeah. uh, underneath like barbershop like barbershop style? No, I think it's usually two staves, and then you know, it's like soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Uh, and then in some of these school song books, it's you'll have a melody that is sung and then a two stays for a piano accompaniment. Right. But in the Grange things, I think it's more just like two voices on each stave. On each staff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they divide it up however, however they want and need, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, not specifically soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, but whoever can sing those those particular notes would be uh, yeah so it'll yeah. just be um yeah. you know written written that way so that you could play it on a keyboard or you could yeah, just read it that and way and so forth yeah mm -hmm. over two staves and you could just look at it and yeah say there's i got the top one you got the bottom one yeah you take the bottom one yeah mm -hmm. so you know four voice singing yeah four parts singing yeah and well, I'm looking forward to hearing those songs. Uh, <laughs> and you tell me they're short. Yeah, well, uh, Smiles and Tears is very short. A lot of the songs in that, you know, they're meant for school children. You know, they're kind of 
you know, learning to sing songs, you know, like exercises, like it's in a twilight area between uh, um, an exercise and a song. So a lot of them are just these little poems that are over before you know it. Well, did you realize what you just said, Twilight? Yes. <laughs> I realized we came back to the theme. We came back you know, to the theme, yeah. You know, you go, you try to go to the outer reaches of the universe only to find out you're back where you started. You're back where you started, exactly. You know, there's no way around it. <laughs> and a good thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that sounds like you're grounded, Brian. <laughs> all right all right and so it's uh we had a great time and yeah uh, great it's great to get back into this brian um yeah and so uh we're looking forward to your projects and uh and again well you had told me that the drone project that you're taking place is going to be on a radio show is that it will be on radio yeah it will be broadcast on live radio um which is community radio in my area here uh so i can get it on my clock radio w but w g x c w g x c yeah which is for columbia and green county so yeah. the x is almost like an ampersand almost and the dates the, of that will be uh that is the 24th i mean gosh now i'm trying to think since it's 24 hours long does it start on the 24th or does it empty into the 24th i'm assuming it starts okay let's <laughs> those of you in the area please please tune in or and, if you have a computer you yeah. can go to wavefarm.org and there will be some button that you can push to listen to a live stream there you go and uh, those of you in the area who can get that station please please by all means <laughs> and uh, my seven hour work tributaries uh is up on youtube for you to enjoy and uh, so go to YouTube and, uh, and listen to them. Um, you can listen to them from one to seven, or you can tune into anyone that you wish. <laughs> uh, you can listen to it in its entirety uh, for, you know, you can listen to a, 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 uh, an episode in its entirety, or you can, um, as I've been doing recently, I've been listening to parts of it and coming back. And so uh, my, I just urge you to listen to them. And so uh, um, this will bring our, uh, our episode uh, to a close. And uh, Brian, it was good talking to you. A pleasure. And uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing your piece. And so I say uh, good night and uh, good night, Brian. And uh, good night, everyone. And God bless. Pretty April comes dancing with a smile most entrancing, but her tears in her eye 
Oh, a tears in her eye Like a gem hanging from a violet As fairy folks pass by See, the tear is now dry Pretty April comes trilling and her voice is most thrilling but a frown's on her brow oh a frown's on her brow look again she is only fooling us she surely knows just how see her laugh at us now Happy Arbor Day, Happy Arbor Day, how we hail the coming of our Arbor Day. Our Happy Arbor Day has come again, we hail it with delight. We've labored long and tried to study hard for knowledge and its light. Happy Arbor Day, Happy Arbor Day, how we hail the coming of our Arbor Day. And now again on this our Arbor Day we come in merry glee to gladden you with happy song and speech and plant our favorite tree. Happy Arbor Day, happy Arbor Day. How we hail the coming of our Arbor Day. All praise to him who did appoint the day, his name we will revere. J. Sterling Morton of Nebraska, say to every child held dear. Happy Arbor Day, happy Arbor Day. Now we hail the coming of our Arbor Day. So on this happy, happy Arbor Day we'll sing and plant and cheer. Let every school and every scholar join to keep it bright each year. Happy Arbor Day! Happy Arbor Day! How we hail the coming of our Arbor Day.